My sermon this morning is entitled, The Love of a Father. A nostalgic little piece appeared in the Danbury, Connecticut News Times some time back, which was translated from a Dutch magazine. It traces our thoughts through the years. At four years of age, my daddy can do anything. At seven years of age, my dad knows a lot, a whole lot. At eight years, my father doesn't quite know everything. At 12 years, oh, well, naturally, fathers know that, don't know that either. At 14 years, fathers, hopelessly old-fashioned. At 21 years, oh, that man is out of date. What did you expect? At 25 years, he knows a little bit about it, but not much. At 30 years, maybe we ought to find out what dad thinks. At 35 years, a little patience. Let's get dad's assessment before we do anything. At 50 years, I wonder what dad would have thought about that. He was pretty smart. At 60 years, my dad knew absolutely everything. At 65 years, I'd give anything if dad were here so I could talk to him. I really miss that man. Today is Father's Day, a day in which we set aside to honor loving fathers. Much of what I'll be talking about will also apply to loving moms. And if it were Mother's Day, I would be honoring you today. To be sure, not everyone has a good relationship with their father. Not everyone even has a good father. Not everyone even knows his or her dad. And all of that is truly sad. Still, for most of us, our dads are very special. Dads are important to us. They are important people in our lives. And believe it or not, there are some things most dads understand. Being a good father is important not only for individual families, but also for the life of the nation. Because of this, since 1936, the third Sunday in June has officially been designated as Father's Day in the United States. This is the day we express appreciation for loving fathers who truly give of themselves to their families. I believe that good fathers, like good mothers, are gifts from God. On this Father's Day, we celebrate fathers who have shared their love with their children, realizing that they are one of life's blessings that God has given to us. And many of you fathers have done just that, and we salute you. How important it is for children to have a father's love and their influence in their lives. Here is a list of the top 10 things you probably never will hear a good dad say. Number 10. Well, how about that? I'm lost. Looks like we'll have to stop and ask for directions. Number nine. You know, Pumpkin, now that you are 13, 
you'll be ready for unchaperoned car dates. Won't that be fun? Number eight, I notice that all your friends have a certain in-your-face attitude. I like that. Number seven, here's a credit card and the keys to my new car. Go crazy. Number six, what do you mean you want to play football? Figure skating not good enough for you, son? Number five, your mother and I are going away for the weekend. You might want to consider throwing a party. Number four, well, I don't know what's wrong with your car. Probably one of these doohickey thingies, you know, that makes it run or something. Just have it towed to a mechanic and I'll pay whatever he asks. Number three, no son of mine is going to live under this roof without an earring. Now quit your belly aching and let's go to the mall. Number two, what do you want to go and get a job for? I make plenty of money for you to spend. And the number one thing that you'll probably not hear a dad say, Father's Day. Ah, oh, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Father's Day should be a big deal when we have fathers who love their children, give of themselves for them, and try to be the loving parent that God wants them to be. In our scripture lesson from Luke's gospel this morning, Jesus is telling the parable of the prodigal son. Most of you are familiar with this story of the younger son who asked his father for his inheritance early and then proceeds to leave home and to squander it on sinful living. Probably those who first heard the story were stunned to hear when the son finally returns to his father and is not only welcomed back, but is welcomed with a party to honor him. Many of us probably sympathize with the older son who was angry because he had never run away and he was never given such a party. Yet in this story, Jesus is giving us a picture of the model father. Here is a father who shared life in all of its struggles, lived with his own successes and failures with his two sons. He has taught them the scriptures. He has endeavored to live before them the holy life. He has worshiped in the temple. He has brought his tithes and his offerings. He has lived his own life under the teaching and discipline of God, expecting nothing of his sons that he himself is not prepared to give. He has given them a spiritual home against which they can rebel and to which they can return. Here is an exemplary father who has the respect for his grown children's autonomy and won't stand in the way of the consequences for their acts. What would your reaction be if one of your grown children came to you, thumbing his nose at you, demanding that you give him total freedom and his fair share to finance his rebellion? That's a tough one.
isn't it? It wasn't unusual for a Jewish father to distribute his estate before he died if he wished to retire from actual management of his business affairs. Under the law, there was a clear delineation of his financial responsibilities. The older son must get two-thirds, and the younger son must get one-third. But there's a certain demanding attitude here, is there not, on the part of the younger son. He is saying, life is too short for me to wait for you to die or to retire. I'm going to get it anyway. Give it to me now. I'm bored. I'm him, them. I want out. The father could have said no. He could have tried to blackmail him, telling him how much more he would have if, in the long run if he had just stayed home. He would have played the comparison game saying, why aren't you a good son like your older brother? What are you trying to do, break your mother's heart? When the son did leave, he was free to make his own mistakes and to suffer the consequences of his actions. Apparently, this father had money and also servants. He could have assigned one of the servants to follow his rebellious son, keeping an eye on him and bailing him out of any trouble. But he respected his son's freedom to choose and to bear the consequences for his own actions. The father practiced a kind of tough love. Sometimes we have to learn from our mistakes the hard way. This commendable father also has a love that refuses to give up. No matter what his son, son had done, he was always there. It's a forgiving love. When the younger son has suffered enough from his sin and returns home to his father, his father greets him with open arms and celebrates his return. This story, of course, is a parable. The loving father is God who gives us the freedom to choose and also to suffer the consequences. God doesn't cuddle us and indulge us like infants because God believes in our ability to mature. Instead of preventing our mistakes, God gives us the wisdom to learn from them. Instead of rescuing us from challenges, God gives us the ability to grow from them. Instead of protecting us from hurts, God gives us the capacity to strengthen from them. God is also like a loving father who is ready to receive us when we turn from our sins and come back to him. Thank God for this. For each one of us has the tendency at times to rebel and to run away from God's love, entering into a far country, so to speak, wasting the tremendous inheritance that the Lord has given to us and disregarding the price we are paying and the heart of God, which is breaking on our behalf. This story tells us about how we can come back to the Lord, our resources exhausted, finding him loving and waiting for us. It is never too late to come home. This is grace, the amazing grace of God. Those of us who are fathers are not God, but we would do well to learn from this story that Jesus gives to us. 
Fathers who embody God's love, love their children enough to help them mature by engaging with reality, not by avoiding it. They give of themselves and seek to train them in the way of faith and holy living, but they also are willing to give them space for their own, to make their own choices in life. Their hearts are always open to receive their children, even when the choices they have made have separated them from him. Like God, they are filled with grace. As a church, we celebrate you loving fathers, those of you, all of you, who love your children in this way. As Barbara Pellet has written, there is a story about a father and his sons. One worked hard, the other wanted fun. Give me my cash, said one to his dad. I've got to go, so don't you be mad. His father to him gave cash and his blessing. While the servants worked, the son was missing. Wild were the parties, life was a blur. The prodigal son lived like a cur. His money was soon gone, his clothes were worn out. Down with the hogs, he moved about. This is no place for me to be. As dad's servant, there'd be food for me. Home the son ran like wings on his feet, hoping his father soon would he meet. Forgive me, father, for I am unworthy. Please take me back and I will serve thee. The eldest son had a hissy fit. It's not fair. I don't like it a bit, said his father. My son, I love you. But go tell the others, tell them the news. The one who was lost now is found. Saved by love, happiness abounds. So loving fathers, this is your day and we truly honor you. God bless you all. Let us pray. Loving God, we give thanks for the men of virtue who have touched our lives those who have shown us kindness, courage, generosity, truth, compassion, faith, and love. Bless all sons and brothers and fathers and grandfathers who reveal a glimpse of your loving presence on earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.